This is Shine On, the Health and Happiness Show, and Ella's Leash Production. Heard as a podcast around the world, but heard first on radio stations 100.7 WHUD-FM and 920-1260 and 1420-AM, all in New York's Hudson Valley. Shine On, bringing you healers and dreamers and people who want to make life richer. It's your time to shine on. Hi, it's Casey. Thank you so much for tuning in to Shine On today. Wow. Wisdom, wisdom, wisdom. That's what we're going to talk about today first with world-renowned psychologist Carmen Hara. Carmen H-A-R-R-A. She's written bestsellers like Everyday Karma, Decoding Your Destiny, The Eleven Eternal Principles, and Wholeness. Her new book is about finding love and loyalty through the seven archetypes. So first, we need to know those archetypes, Carmen. Okay, the seven archetypes are the independent, and the independent struggles with commitment because of his um, detached nature. He's more reluctant to enter a relationship because he fears that a partner will compromise his cherished freedom. Uh, The independent is defined by his need to be on his own, And this becomes uh, true not only in his love relationship, but in many other areas of his life. So the independent doesn't look uh, to others for advice or anything. He's forging his own path. That's why he's independent. Then there's the workaholic that has built his life around his work. In fact, he chooses his career long before he chooses his significant other. He still wants to have the best of both worlds, the successful career, and if he can, a beautiful partner, but he isn't willing to compromise. Under no circumstance can the workaholic be with um, a possessive person who holds him back from carrying out his mission. So. His partner will have to be supportive of his career and of his responsibilities that have a lot to do with his career. So he looks for somebody who's constantly on on the supportive side, and he's not going to allow anybody to control him, to dominate him. So he will let go of his partner if the partner is not contributing to his growth in the same way. You know what I mean? He will fire his employees who are not performing up to his expectations. Then there's some, the narcissist who has uh, crossed boundaries from empowerment to entitlement where there is too little humility. So his uh, ego goes to the roof and his selfish inclination will preclude him from bonding fully with others, which can make him seem emotionally superficial. And uh, this is where a serious relationship problem can happen for the narcissist. The narcissist will only match another narcissist. Look at Trump and uh, Melania. They both narcissists, different types of narcissists, but a narcissist may have trouble paying enough attention to his partner or giving his partner the needs because he's focused on himself. A narcissist is all about him. But the narcissist can at the end commit to a relationship, as I said, only 
if he finds another narcissist. The free spirit is decided to be on his own also, has trouble sticking to commitment in multiple aspects of his life. He may claim he wants to have a relationship. Uh, this kind of sometimes irrational behavior on his part can leave his partner confused. And in reality, the free spirit is also uh, committed to himself. But different from the independent, he is afraid of losing a, a partner. He also wants to be with somebody, but he has not a clear idea how to execute a connection, how to work in a committed relationship. But the free spirit finds his authentic self in time, and I should say a free spirit has a chance of commitment. There comes the hopeless romantic, which is another archetype, which is just an idealist of epic proportion. He is a dreamer, not a doer. He uh, wants commitment. He falls in love very easily. He's blindly in love all the time with people who are not good for him. In many ways, he may be more in love with the idea of love than with the person in front of him. He idealized the concept of love. So sometimes he's not realistic about uh, the kind of a relationship he gets himself into. The, the next one is the wounded warrior, because a wounded warrior is somebody who early in life probably was wounded. Like, look at Biden. He lost his wife in a car crash, his child. So these are people who are dealing with this pain, with the trauma inside themselves. They try to hide. They try to mask this trauma, often unsuccessfully. Uh, because it always that trauma boils uh, suddenly to the surface. But before a wounded warrior can commit, he must explore and heal that pain that is resurfacing very easily. The introvert is uh, another archetype that struggles with his fear of intimacy, especially intimacy. Uh, and he's not very good in communication. In, in many ways, he's misinterpreted his partner's uh, messages. So there's a discrepancy between what's shown on the outside and what's kept inside when it comes to the introvert. But to be in a committed relationship, the introvert needs to feel comfortable enough to be able to open to his partner. But he definitely can do it if he works on that fear of intimacy, physical intimacy, emotional intimacy. So these are the seven major archetypes. But then there's the eighth archetype called the well-rounded one. Is that ideal archetype, you know? Through understanding the well-rounded archetype, we actually understand how a healthy relationship looks and how it feels. So the ultimate goal is that anyone, you know, looking for a partner should get to the stage of being the well-rounded archetype in which you perform your inner work, you know, you let go of all your insecurities and you create that healthy, extraordinary, powerful relationship we all want. All right, we're talking to Carmen Hara. Her book is called Committed, Finding Love and Loyalty Through the Seven Archetypes, The Independent, The Workaholic, The Narcissist, The Free Spirit, The Hopeless Romantic, The Wounded Warrior, The Introvert, and if you're lucky, The Well-Rounded. Now, you said he, of course, in all of these uh, instances, but it could just as well be a she, of course, right? Absolutely, yeah, definitely. 
What's the number one mistake people are making when they're looking for a love relationship? I mean, I think the number one mistake when people look is that they don't look inside themselves. They're not aware of what they want. They're not aware of their own issues. They haven't worked with what is called healing, self-love, empowering themselves and identifying their own archetypes. So if you don't know your own archetypes, chances are you will go through different experiences that might not be successful at the very end. And that explains the world we are living in, in which so many people go through separation, divorces, and it's almost more than 50% of 100 uh, uh, marriages that fall apart uh, very quickly, just because of this reason of not identifying your own archetype. All right. I really was surprised to hear that a narcissist only gets in relationships with other narcissists. Yeah, that's uh, because a narcissist only sees himself. When somebody, you know, looks only about their own well-being and not about the rest. So, you know, only another narcissist will understand the mentality of a narcissist. And in many cases, narcissists might end up alone because it's very hard to handle them. They're so selfish, so self-centered. It's not easy to be in a relationship with somebody who behaves this way. But another narcissist will understand the mentality, the behavior pattern, and will accept it. Going through the list of the archetypes, do you always match up with your own archetype? So you, by knowing your own archetype, then the book helps you figure it out who's for you and who's not. Now, an arch- archetype um, is not necessarily written in stones. In many cases, for instance, a narcissist might have traits of an independent or, you know what I mean, an introvert. So, in other words, you know, you have to sometimes uh, be aware of the way a person expresses uh, himself or herself and see whether other elements of different archetypes, you know, interfering with a specific art, which is very possible. In that case, so you also, the book helps you and guides you through understanding which is your match. So when you identify your own archetype, you identify your partner's archetype. You know, the book guides you to make sure that you know who's good for you and who's not long term because it's all about that connection and if that connection is not established that the book also talks about something that is called uh, emotional intimacy that should be the glue of a relationship and if that is not built in time because of the uh, 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 different uh, um, situation based on the characteristics of the architect then we are not Uh, surviving a relationship for too long. Ben Affleck and Jennifer Lopez. Well, these are two people who were uh, initially very connected, a very strong um, bond and something, I should say, karmically unresolved between them. They didn't survive last time. They're not going to survive this time. And based on their nature, you know, and who they are, their narcissistic traits in both of them would bring them together. You know, but I found um, Ben very wounded somewhere, you know, and also very independent. And I never thought since I met her in person 20 years ago uh, that she will actually survive any of the relationships she got herself into in time. And actually, I was right. I look at my article in Huffington Post 20 years ago, and uh, I even said she's not going to make it with um, Mark Anthony, which she didn't. 
Uh, and even with this Alex Rodriguez, that she's not going to, unfortunately, not going to make it with them either. It's just to try to heal something karmic that was created 20 years ago. What? We tend to go back to the things we left unresolved in life. We should be aware of that. That explains why people go back to each other five years, 20, even 30 years later. All right, but she's beautiful and talented, and she appears to this be... This has nothing to do with anything. She's amazing. She's the most gorgeous. She looks phenomenal. She's brilliant. She's an extraordinary entrepreneur. She's a talented singer, a dancer, phenomenal dancer, great actress. She has everything. She has all the money in the world. This has nothing to do with being able to bring the correct partner in your life. Man, is she just unlucky or what? I don't think it's unluck. I really believe that um, too many relationships, too many uh, karmic, she went through fast through relationship, you know what I mean? And ended up by not being able to process what has happened and carried those uh, experiences into the next relationship. And she runs away very quickly. That's where the narcissistic pattern of behavior exists. She cuts the cord. She leaves this uh, Alex Rodriguez in the air and she walks away, uh, you know, and, and goes back to someone else where she doesn't stay for too long. And if you analyze what she did, she stayed like uh, seven years in a relationship with Mark Anthony, which was a lot, but for the simple reason that the two kids were involved and they belong to the same tribe because they both were Latinos. And uh, actually, at the end of the day, the strongest chance she had was still with Mark Anthony. But even there, she couldn't make it, you know. Carmen Hara, H-A-R-R-A, Finding Love and Loyalty Through the Seven Archetypes. Just Google that name. She is easy to find all over social media. And poor J-Lo, she's got some bad karma, but we're still rooting for her. Hi, it's Casey. I'm glad you're here talking to me today. We're talking about wisdom. First, wisdom and looking for love. Now, a geriatric psychiatrist, Dr. Dilip Juste, professor of psychiatry and neuroscience and director of the Center for Healthy Aging, at UC San Diego. For more than 20 years, Dr. Juste has been studying aspects of healthy aging and the neurobiological roots of wisdom. So I'm a geriatric psychiatrist, and so I study and treat older people. When I was growing up in India, I was told that older people are wiser, older people are respected in Eastern cultures. And it is at the back of my mind, is that really true? Is there scientific reason for believing that wisdom increases with age. So years later, after I had been doing research in neuroscience and psychiatry, I began to wonder about wisdom as a scientific field. Wisdom has been around for centuries. This is in all religions and philosophies, but the scientific research has been much more recent. And so that got me thinking about how can we study wisdom? How can we define it? How can we measure it? Does it have any relationship to brain? And importantly, how can we increase it? Geriatric psychiatry, how is that different from any other psychiatry at any other age? Sure. So psychiatry is really science of mental health and mental illnesses. It applies to people of all ages. But afterwards, there is some specialization. So there is child psychiatry, for example, where you become expert in treating children and teenagers. At the other end of the age spectrum is geriatric psychiatry, where you specialize in psychiatric health and psychiatric issues that affect people over the age of 65. 
so there are some things that are unique to each age group. In older age, for example, Alzheimer's disease and other dementias are common. Also, the number of older people in the world has been growing very rapidly, uh, not just in the U.S., but all over the world. So this is a Im- really important segment of the population that we need to understand and that needs help. Okay. So if you are working in psychiatry with older people, I bet you've met a few who aren't wise. <laughs> is that true? Absolutely true. Um, so one thing about aging is that people become more different rather than more similar as they age. And different people are different. Different older people are different. So there are some older people who are very wise, high-functioning, and there are others who are not wise. And same thing applies, of course, to younger people. There are some young kids who are very wise for their age, even five, six-year-olds. They are much more compassionate toward others. They don't throw temper tantrums and so on. So there is just variation that occurs across all ages. But by and large, as we get older, we have more experiences in life. People tend to become wiser with age. Doesn't apply to everybody, but does apply to a number of people. Wiser, the scientific roots of wisdom, compassion, and what makes us good. So let's look first at those scientific roots. What are the scientific roots of wisdom? So let me start with what is wisdom. So wisdom is a personality trait. It's a trait like resilience, optimism, extroversion, but wisdom has specific components. The most important component is empathy and compassion, understanding other people's emotions, thoughts, and helping them. Second is self-reflection. You know, when I, something goes wrong, I tend to blame others. That's not really useful. I need to think about, did I do something wrong that I can do better next time? That is self-reflection. Then comes control over our emotions. You know, think about a typical teenager whose emotions change from hour to hour and minute to minute. And think about a wiser, older person who is calm, controlled. So that is emotional regulation. So these are the three main components of wisdom, empathy, compassion, self-reflection, and emotional regulation. So what we did was, as a neuroscientist and psychiatrist, I wanted to see if there are some specific regions of the brain that are connected to these traits. And we found yes. Uh, I don't want to go into technical details, but there are parts of the brain called prefrontal cortex and amygdala that are involved in these traits of wisdom. And so there's scientific basis in the sense there is biology as well as sociology, psychology that are integrally involved in understanding wisdom. Gotcha. All right. We, we've talked about the amygdala on this show before. Isn't that where we keep our flight and fight response? Is that the place? That, that's exactly right. Emotion, amygdala is really the center of emotions. And what is interesting is that the amygdala is the oldest part of the brain in evolution. So most animals that have brains, you'll see amygdala. On the other hand, the other part that is involved in wisdom is prefrontal cortex. It's the newest part of the brain in evolution. That is what makes us human. So wisdom involves a balance between the oldest and the newest parts of the brain. And how does wisdom and survival, do they go hand in hand? That would kind of make sense to me. Absolutely it does. 
they do go hand in hand. Wisdom is consistently associated with greater well-being, happiness, better health. And there are reasons for that, that person who is wise has control over their emotions, but they are also more contented, they are happier than others. So when you are contented, happy, you are under less stress, right? And stress is bad for health. No question about that. Physical health, mental health, cognitive health. So wiser people being more contented, more happy, have less stress, and that's what makes them do better. So wisdom and happiness, they go hand in hand. Right. So wiser people are happier people, and wiser people have more control over their emotions, yes? Exactly, exactly. And they're also helpful to others. That is important. But also one other thing, that when I talk about compassion, it's not just compassion toward other people. It's also compassion toward yourself. You need to be kind to yourself, too. There are sometimes people who are very helpful to others, hard to themselves. That doesn't help. You have to understand your mistakes, correct them, but also be kind to yourself. All right. Dr. Dilip Jeste, please give us some advice on how to be kind to ourselves. Well, there are specific strategies for doing that. One is actually involves self-reflection. Set aside some time in which you don't do anything except think about the events of the past few weeks. Think about what made you feel happy and what you made you feel stressed. And you'll find that there's a common pattern. Some things consistently stress you out. Some things consistently make you feel happy. Once you understand that, you can do more of the things that make you happy and avoid things that make you stressed out. You find your own limitations. And everybody has limitations. Once you find out, you can do something about it. You can try to improve yourself. So that's a way to be kind to yourself, just as you want to be kind to others. Beautiful. Beautiful. And finally, uh, what makes us good? Is that in the brain, too? Absolutely. What makes us good is being kind to others, being happy, being a part of society. Because humans are a social species. We can survive only if we help one another. And I should say that the work that you do, Casey, uh, the, the Shine On Foundation, is a great example of doing good things, like you provide free food, uh, free meditation class, scholarships, community events. These are the kinds of things that are needed. Today's society is highly stressed. There is a lot of anxiety. Suicides have gone up in the last 20 years. Opioid-related deaths have gone up. We need to change that. And how do we change that? By improving empathy, compassion, self-reflection, emotional regulation, wisdom. And we need to do that at individual level, but also at the community and societal level. So what you do, Casey, is really good model for what everybody should do. He Googled me. How cool is that? Dr. Dilip Jeste. His website is D-I-L-I-P-J-E-S-T-E-M-D.com. I love what he says about being kind to ourselves. And you'd be kind to sign up for the Let It Shine, Gathering Love and Giving It Away retreat that's coming up in February at Mariondale. And that should be just about ready now on their website, mariondale.org, that you can sign up for that. Last weekend in February, we're going to get together for a women's retreat. Sorry, guys. 
You can always find out more at Casey.co, K-A-C-E-Y dot C-O. And please join the group A Circle of Women on Facebook. All right. Thank you for tuning in to Shine On Today. Our thought for the day is from Ianla Van Zant, who said, The journey into self-love and self-acceptance must begin with self-examination. Until you take the journey of self-reflection, it's almost impossible to grow or learn in life. Looks like we have our work cut out for us this weekend. Shine On. You've been listening to Shine On, the health and happiness show for your entertainment only. Heard Sunday mornings on 100.7 WHUD and 920, 1260 and 1420 AM, all in New York's Hudson Valley. Subscribe to Shine On on iTunes and SoundCloud and catch a show anytime at Casey.co. That's K-A-C-E-Y dot C-O. Shine On.